Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley is behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. Get you aboard on this Tuesday night. We react to the Trey Turner signing. Excellent player. My comparisons are Barry Larkin. Um, Paul Molitor, two players I grew up watching. He reminds me of those guys in the batter's box. We'll see how he ages. You know, Larkin, about 36 years old, done at shortstop. Uh, you know, Molitor was a DH most of his 30s and then moved around the infield, didn't stick it short after playing there in his 20s. But as a hitter, he reminds me of those guys. The contract, that's its own separate thing. And I love the player, don't like the contract. But, man, it's a, you know, from a, a fit for 2023 with the Phillies needed, what he could bring, it really, really, really adds to this baseball team. So a lot of Phillies coming up. We'll talk to Bob Wankel here from Crossing Broad in a minute. And then we'll go back to the Eagles, who just continue to roll. I mean, 11-1, by far the best team in the NFC and I believe, like, when I watched that game on Sunday, my first thought was, like, that, that's a championship team. That is a Super Bowl-winning team that we watched on the field on Sunday. Well, let's get to the phone line, the guest line here. Bob Wankel of Crossing Broad joining us to talk about a Philly team that just handed out another $300 million contract. Bob, how you doing tonight? Joe, how are you? Good to talk to you. You too, man. It's good to talk. And, um, and how about John Middleton, Bob? I was giving him credit earlier, you know. I think it was about five, six years ago. He sat uh, in our studios here at WIP, and he said something to the effect of, "If you know, if you're not in it to win it and aren't willing to spend to win, you shouldn't be an owner." And at times during the last five years, I questioned him a little bit. Not that he wasn't willing to spend at all, but you know, they were reluctant to go over that tax for a couple of years. But they did it. They went to the World Series, and they're going to go over again because they just gave out a massive deal. Um, I, I really think you know we, we give Jeff Lurie a lot of credit in this town, but Middleton is making his mark here as a guy who really is putting his money where his mouth is. It sure has. I mean, as a, as a fan, all you can really ask for, for your, or from your ownership is, is for the ownership to spend and show a commitment and a willingness to spend and do what it takes to compete. And John Middleton and this ownership group has, has done that. And they've done that now for the last number of years. And uh, to your point, you know, you go back to the, the I guess now, infamous WIP interview with him, and he talks about wanting his trophy back and, I mean, listen, I'll tell you, he's had moments where in public eye he hasn't been great. Uh, you know, you go back to the Gabe Kapler firing and he gives the, the potted plant speech. And I remember sitting in the press room when that happened and I kind of rolled my eyes and said, you know, the Phillies would just be best served to not put him in a public forum for a little bit. But, you know, he's backed it up here. The last few years they've, they've targeted high-priced free agents. Uh, and they've been able to bring them in. And, you know, certainly off the run that they had last season, there's a lot of optimism, a lot of excitement rolling into 23 here. And, yeah, I mean, you absolutely have to tip your cap down. Bob, let's talk about Trey Turner because he's the latest star to arrive to Philadelphia uh, with a $300 million contract. Let's separate the contract for a second because I want to talk to you about that. But just the player here, Bob, what do you think of the player? Uh, Obviously, he's great. He's tremendous. But what do you think of him and how do you think he'll age? Because he's going to be here a long time. Yeah, so I think at the the latter half of this contract, he ultimately will end up playing some second base or perhaps even play left field when it's all said and done when he gets into his upper 30s. But we obviously have a number of years before I think that's really a consideration. And you talk about all the tools, and he's a, a potential 30-steal guy. He can hit 20, 25 home runs, and he's a 300 hitter when he rolls out of bed. That's something you, you've heard a lot lately. And, I mean, one of the things that I think gets overlooked at a little bit is that he's good against both left-handed and right-handed pitching. If you look at his 2022 splits, he hit 298 against lefties and he hit 298 against righties. And, you know, Reese Hoskins last year was the Phillies' most dangerous hitter consistently against uh, left-handed pitching. But 
Uh, Trey Turner last year against lefties had an 886 OPS. I mean, that would have been second best on this Phillies team. So I think that not only is he a productive player, but he's not a guy that you have to worry about in terms of splits, where you say, oh, man, he really mashes one side, but he can't do much against the other. And I think that consistency of what he brings to the table is something that will help this offense, needless to say. But I just think that he, when you look at the volatility of a lot of the key players in this lineup, Trey Turner is a little bit more of a consistent commodity, and I think that that really is going to help bring some balance and stability to this team. Bob, um, you know, he's been a guy, you said it, he rolls out of bed, hits 300, he hits righties, hits lefties, he, he runs, um, and it does feel like, and we'll see how, you know, again, how he ages, but it does feel like for now, for the next couple of years, starting next season, the rule changes should only help him. The, the shift, you know, being, you know, changed could lead to more infield hits for a guy like him who's who hasn't lost a step. And that's the one thing about him, you know, from a speed perspective. He's just as fast as he was when he came in the league. And the other thing is um, it should be easier to steal bases. He's already one of the most efficient stolen base guys ever. So maybe that even jumps another notch. It feels like the rule changes could only help him. Yeah, I agree with that. And listen, I mean, the Phillies were fairly aggressive on the base pass last year. I mean, that was one of the things that if you watch them on a daily basis, they said, wow, they really are, are willing to gamble a little bit on the bases. They're willing to do it. And now they have a player who actually has the attributes to do it. You know, it's not just about situational timing. It's about here's a guy that pretty much any time he wants to do it, he's going to be a threat and can affect the game that way. So I think, again, it's just a different dynamic, an added variable, somebody that I feel like this has become a, an off-season ritual, but somebody that you can plug in at the top of the lineup and feel pretty good about it. And hopefully, you know, whether he hits the leadoff, uh, he actually hit the second and third more for the Dodgers last year, but throughout his career, he's been primarily a leadoff guy. That's where he's taking the bulk of his at bats. You know, I, I think you could, with with certainty, say that he's going to hit first or second for this team most of the time, and and hopefully, they got an answer here in Trey Turner at the top of the lineup because prior to that run last October, I mean, listen, you know that that was a concern for this team. So let me throw this at you. You brought up the lineup, and I, I think the default is for most people that we've talked to and most people I've seen, it's, it's they want to put him at the top. I, I think the Kyle Schwarber leadoff um, thing, it, it makes people uncomfortable, like especially fans that think more old school, like he doesn't look or, or play like a leadoff hitter. And, and I, I wouldn't mind if Turner hits leadoff. I'm not against it. I just, as I structure the lineup, like when Bryce is healthy, Bob, I... I like separating those lefties because I think it makes it difficult when the opposing you know manager goes out and puts a lefty in. If you have two righties in between them, it's like they're making a decision. Do I bring the lefty in but then get crushed by Turner and Real Muto? So th- I thought of it this way. I thought of it Schwarber, Turner, Real Muto, Harper, Hoskins. H- how would you do it when Bryce is healthy? Let's just say the top four or five. H- how would you stack them? Yeah, I, I, I too would do it that way. I think that you have to obviously – Take into consideration the bottom portion of your lineup, though. So if, if you assume that Bryson Stott's your everyday second baseman, which I think is a fair assumption at this point, and Brandon Marsh is going to play a lot in center field, uh, you know, listen, do you, do you go Stott, Marsh, Schwarber, 8-9-1? No, of course you don't. So I think that that's a little bit of a consideration, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if Trey Turner, I guess uh, it would be an interesting betting line maybe, but I wouldn't be totally shocked if, if he doesn't take the bulk of his at-bats uh, in the leadoff spot. I, I think that, I mean, you know this, that Bryce Harper not there at the beginning of the season comes probably late June, maybe early July, somewhere in there. It's, it's kind of like a rolling thing, and I just don't know that you can really confidently say on December the 6th, like this is how they're going to roll it out there. This is what they're going to do. 
it's just like a trial and error process, and you hope that when the games really start to mean more going down the stretch, they have a formula that works. And right now, the, the key is to have the right the right puzzle pieces, and then you kind of figure out how to put them together, and it certainly seems like they have the right puzzle pieces. We're talking to Bob Wankley or Crossing Brothers, a Philly sign, Trey Turner at the winter meetings. All right, Bob, let's talk about the contract, what they did here. So, you know, I understand their thinking and the math behind it, and they smooth out the – uh, the years they smooth out the years and it's 27 or so per year but the bottom line is they also signed a, a middle infield to an 11 year free agent contract that which has never happened before and the history of players staying in the middle infield you know late through the 30s it's just not high I mean there's a real chance the last three or four years of this deal are ugly what do you think about the contract yeah I think that that's a fair concern I mean the, the Phillies are clearly if you if you look at this you, you know that they are uh, hellbent on trying to win a World Series in the next five years. I mean, they're really trying to do it this year. Uh, but I think that they realize that there is a is a window to do this. They have a, a terrific core group of veteran players that are either in the middle of their prime or maybe even starting to scale to the back of it a little bit. They have reinforcements coming with some premier pitching prospects. And I think that they just realized that this is a gamble that they're willing to, to take. I mean, I think that you're, you're going all in for a, a four- to five-year run here, and you hope it results in a one or two championships, and, and you kind of deal with the rest on the back end. And, I mean, listen, you know, you get that far out, you hope that a player that has this type of athleticism is going to age a little bit better than maybe, you know, your other, uh, you know, age 30 guy in 2023 – and I guess that's what they're kind of banking on. You look at the speed, you look at the athleticism. I mean, these are uh, premier attributes in this player. And so that you hope that there's a little bit of a, a longer transition before maybe you have to slot him out of the middle infield. And you hope that that athleticism holds up if he has to play a corner outfield spot in the late 30s or, you know, when he gets to the very, very back end of this thing in year 10, year 11. Does he remind you of anyone over the years? I mean, the, the two ones that jumped to my head, um, I think there's a little Barry Larkin to him who played shortstop and obviously a Hall of Famer until about 36 or so. The other one you mentioned just athleticism and it translated for years. He, I kind of see Paul Molitor when I watch him, <laughs> although Molitor – by the time he was 34, he was DHing a lot. Like he hit forever, but he didn't really play the field, you know, after his mid 30s. It's funny you say that. I was actually having a conversation about about this last night, and Paul Molitor was somebody that a, a friend of mine had floated. And then I was listening to uh, one of the shows this this afternoon. I, I don't know. It might have been Joe Camera. I'm not sure. And somebody floated the, the Paul Molitor name out there as well. So I think a few different people are seeing that. And uh, it's, it's an interesting comp from an offensive standpoint, like you said. And that was my one pushback. You know, there was a lot of DH there by the time he was in his mid-30s. But, you know, I think that this is a player – and I know that we do this. We have a tendency to always look at the – we skew positive. You go out and you spend a ton of money on a, an all-star, two-time all-star, batting champion-level player – and you say, oh, yeah, this, this is great, you know. There's obviously going to be some concerns, but I really do think from an offensive profile standpoint, there's, there's going to be longevity in this. Like, this does not feel like the type of athlete that just simply falls off a cliff. And I think that the Phillies certainly believe that, or they wouldn't have done this deal. Uh, so, I mean, I think that there's a lot of reason for real optimism here. And, and, and really, you know, the thing I always look at when you get a signing like this, yes, it makes your team better. But I always like to look at what does it signal? You know, what is the ownership signaling to the players in that clubhouse? 
what is the ownership signal, signaling to the fan base? And, you know, I think that it's, it's quite clear that, like, they're, they're all in, and, and you should be excited, and, and here we go, and let's see what happens. Yeah, at this town is going to be very excited. There's, there's no question. That excitement from October will carry over to, to next year now with Trey Turner and a team expected to do big things. Bob, I was going to end and ask you what's next and your thoughts on, on what they might do in the pitching department, but it sounds like we have some breaking news as we speak. So, and I, and I say this with a grain of salt because we, uh, we people listening, if you don't know earlier, John Heyman, who is probably one of the most respected insiders. Rosenthal just uh, confirmed it. Okay, so so earlier John Heyman had thought that Judge was going to the Giants. That's not done yet. So we take this with, you know, not all done yet, but it sounds like a lot of insiders chiming in together here. Uh, Bob, uh, free agent pitcher Taiwan Walker headed to the Phillies. Your your initial <laughs> first thought when I say that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, a, I think, a pretty good fit. I mean, 30 seconds ago, if you would have asked me about the rotation, I would have told you, uh, they, they probably need to slot in with a number three, number four type guy. Um, I think that they're banking on Andrew Painter. I mean, if you listen to Rob Thompson tonight, uh, he talked to reporters. He went on MLB Network. He talked about how he believes in Andrew Painter, that he could break camp with them this season. And uh, I, so I think that he's very much in the mix. You don't go out in December and float that information out there if there's not a true belief in it. So how do you round out that rotation? You need a veteran arm in there. Uh, somebody that you can kind of trust to eat some innings in the back end of things, hope that Painter sticks, and, and you have yourself a pretty pretty damn good rotation at that point. So, uh, you know, as much as you'd love to see them go out and do the Radone thing and then hey, we have three number ones that we can throw at you, I just don't think that was where the Phillies were going to be at with their pitching plan. So that, that makes sense, that deal. Yeah, and his um, last two years, 29 games started each t- each year. So it's a guy yeah. that, that um, you know, it certainly takes the ball pretty much every fifth day. So, uh, you know, we'll see on, on what the terms are and how that goes. But, Bob, um, Turner's here. they got another pitcher here. Would you think bullpen would be the last piece of the puzzle? I don't, I don't know what they're going to do there, if they just throw darts or they try to sign yeah. someone with, you know, with some heft. I mean, I, there's some relievers out there, actually, uh, I think are pretty good. I mean, Rodgers, I think, still has some stuff to him. Jansen's still out there. I'm just not sure if they're going to spend that much in the bullpen. It'll be interesting to see what the relief market plays out like. You know, so one of the reasons that I think you're seeing a guy like Walker sign here is because, you know, Jameson Tyon, or Tyone, I should say, you know, it's a, he's going to get paid. And is he going to, is he going to get paid more than he's probably worth? Yeah. And so I think that the, the starting pitching market is, is getting a little crazy here. What does the mid, you know, mid-level relief market look like? Is it going to get carried away? Um, and I, I think that there might be a little bit more of a wait-and-see component to that. The Phillies have been very aggressive this offseason. They're getting these deals done early on. Uh, they've, they've kind of been at the front of these things, but I wouldn't be shocked if there's, there's multiple bullpen additions, and, and I wouldn't be shocked if at least one of them takes a little while to get to. I think you're looking for guys that can pitch in the sixth, seventh inning, take down meaningful outs, but you're not going to get you know, your, your closer out of this. I think they're comfortable with what they have in terms of how do we finish out games. Um, and maybe the fan base isn't, but I think that they are for now. Bob, great stuff. Appreciate you hopping on. And uh, it's an exciting time right now to talk about and, and write about and cover the Phillies. It's going to be a fun offseason and, uh, and, and a fun year next year. Thank you, Bob. Thanks, Joe. There he goes, Bob Wankel. So we're seeing now, uh, as the news just came across, Taiwan Walker is going to sign with the Phillies. And, you know, numbers are out there, you know, reports are kind of flying in somewhere between, you know, a little bit over 70 million, four years, $70 million. So um, here's some perspective. Now we do first guesses, second guesses. We all do this as fans. So I, I said to Tucker, as we saw the news come through, I said, ah, I don't know, two years, 30 million. And that was kind of what I was thinking he's probably worth. 
472, 470 feels heavy to me. It just it feels like a lot of years um, to give to a mid-rotation starter when don't they have a mid-rotation starter in in Ranger Suarez? Don't they have another one in Andrew Painter that you would think at worst would be a mid-rotation starter over the next three to four years? I mean, he probably will be better than that, but I'm just saying, like, it's kind of strange to pay a guy. Like, couldn't I paint a picture to you that he's their fifth starter this season? In a perfect world, he is. And he's making $18 million a year. I mean, he had a good season last year. Yeah. He had an ERA array yeah. at 3.49. He made the all-star team the, the year before, but kind of struggled in the second half. He's a fine pitcher. He's okay. Committing to a guy who's 29 years old for four seasons, and you look at his career, he's really only had two healthy seasons since 2017. My first instinct when we saw those numbers is, I wonder if Aaron Nola's days as a Philly are numbered. Well, we said it earlier. There's only, let's be real. There's only so many of these deals they could give out. And you look at next year's free agent class, Aaron Nola will be the number one starting pitcher available. Number one. So, you know, he just watched Jacob DeGrom get, what, 37 a year to pitch 50 innings or 80 innings or whatever Jacob DeGrom pitches. Aaron Nola takes down 220 a year. You know, you know what wouldn't surprise me if the Phillies broached Nola's agent about a contract extension and the number started with 30 five per year and they said oh boy maybe we should just go get Tywan Walker for half of that I, I don't know you know and again Tywan Walker's fine I, I think he will he's better than Gibson he's he's better than Gibson right so they needed I mean he gives you a four starter in the postseason which is something they didn't have a year ago it also gives them some cover here if they want to uh, slow play Andrew Painter's ascension right because they have right now five starters you have you have Wheeler Nola Suarez, Walker, and Bailey Falter. Like, they don't need Andrew Painter in April now if they don't want to put him out there, if they want to save those innings, which I actually would do. I mean, I, you know, I is it cool if he makes the opening day roster? Sure. It's more fun that way. But if Andrew Painter's the real deal, I'd rather have him out there in September and in, in, in October than I would just in the month of April. So we'll see. Um, but, man, the Phillies just – how much money are they spent now? 372 this offseason? Yes. 300 plus 72. Yeah, that's easy math. We can do easy. that. Yeah, that, that wasn't hard there. Um, that kind of math on, on Taiwan Walker. 215-592-9494 to hop in. Breaking news, Phillies just signed Taiwan Walker from the Mets. The Mets have lost a lot this offseason. They've lost DeGrom. They've lost Taiwan Walker. They have Brandon Nimmo, who's a free agent. The Mets have lost a lot. And they did add Justin Verlander, which is obviously a lot. But the Mets have, I would say right now, the Phillies in this moment have closed a gap on the on the NL East. That, you know, the regular season gap that was there. The Mets right now are down DeGrom, down Nimmo, down Taiwan Walker. They got Verlander. The Braves have done I think they've done nothing so far and, and Swanson's a free agent. I mean, I think the Phillies have closed this gap for whatever that's worth. They definitely are a better regular season team. Yeah. Right? Like they're they're more talented. I think they're deeper. I, I think that was always the big difference between them and teams like the Mets and Braves and Dodgers is they didn't go this deep, and they had the top-end talent. I mean, we saw what they did in the postseason. They made it to Game 6 of the World Series with three starting pitchers and three decent relievers. I mean, you can get through the postseason, but being able to you know put together better at-bats and being able to go 26 deep or 30 deep on your 40-man roster... It's going to make a world of difference for this team and for a team that won't have their best player for the first half of the season. Adding guys like Taiwan Walker and adding guys like Trey Turner, I think it's going to keep them in contention for the division. 
Uh, I think it will too. They they look to me and strike me now as a team that could win ninety or more. And last year they just they weren't that kind of team. So I'm looking at Walker's numbers right now. He the a couple of big differences because last year was his best year I would say in the majors. Um, you know you know close yeah he had three point four nine ERA last year. He did that one other time in 2017 when he was very young in Arizona, but. You know, he had a 3-4-9 ERA for the Mets last year, 29 starts. Two things he did better last year than he did really for a, l- a large portion of his career. He limited home runs. Last year was one of his best rates, you know, really the best rate of his career over a full season. Less than one home run per nine innings. Now, can he do that at City at um, Citizens Bank Park? We'll see. And he also walked. He cut his walk rate last year. It, it was the lowest it has been over a full season since 2016. So... Those are those are good things. He walked guy walked less guys. He gave plus home runs, and he was a better pitcher last year for the Mets. I feel like I recall the Phillies hitting him though, like hard. I I, I don't have his numbers offhand against the Phillies last season or the last couple seasons. I feel like they've tattooed Taiwan Walker. I, you know whether it be Schwarber, maybe I could, I could picture a Harper home run off him. I feel like, you know, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it means his numbers against everybody else were really good when you take the Phillies numbers out, but. This, my memory tells me that the Phillies hit him kind of hard over the years. Uh, on May 5th, oh, you know what game this was? Which one? The game the Phillies uh, were up 7-1. Oh, he was the starter in the game where uh, they blew it. In yeah, May he went here. four innings, nine hits, seven runs, six earned. Yeah, so they hit him hard. And then James Norwood and Corey Knebel said, hold my beer, Jeez. and one-upped him. <laughs> The team that had James Norwood blowing six-run leads eventually made like, the You World know Series. Yuri Familia is going to get a National League championship ring this year? Does he have to? No, but he did pitch for this team. He pitched 38 games. Well, I, I, I remember them. I, unfortunately, I remember them all. Um, the inc- regular season Phillies seem like a different team. They, well, in, in large parts, they were. I mean, they did change that a lot. The bullpen, how Alvarado became a better pitcher. I mean, they were different, right? Nick Nelson had the most innings out of the bullpen for this team. It's, it, Corey Knebel led them in saves it, with 12. It really is crazy when you think back to what they were to what they became. It, it was different. I mean, you, you, I mean, they just were a completely different team. By the time we got to October, they were really good in October. And before that, you know, you go to May, and they were um, they were awful. They, they were an awful baseball team for a lot of that. What to watch for, sponsored by Xfinity. Xfinity, the fastest internet in Philadelphia, and the sponsor – of our Xfinity Lounge. So you know what I'm watching for next? What the Phillies do in the bullpen because they have taken care of the big bat. They've taken care of shortstop, taking care of getting Trey Turner here in Philadelphia with a gigantic deal. Absolutely love Trey Turner's game. And he does remind me, Barry Larkin and um, and Paul Mollard are the two comps that, that, that stand out to me when I watch him and think about the way he plays the game, especially as a hitter. And then tonight, just a few minutes ago, just breaking news, we had... Taiwan Walker to the Phillies, four years, $72 million. I find the length of the contract, uh, the, the dollars, I guess 15 a year, 18 is not that different. I mean, that's kind of what you have to pay for a starting pitcher. The years are interesting. It's just, you know, they're committing a lot of years to a pitcher that is pretty good, but I didn't think that they needed to commit years to starting pitchers. I, I, I You know, I thought they had the bones of a rotation set. Wheeler, Suarez, Nola. Painter. I thought they had the bones of a rotation for years to go set. Now, as Tucker said, maybe this gives us a hint about Aaron Nola's future in Philadelphia. 215-592-9494. It's a hop aboard. I believe the Eagles are going 
to the Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts should be the MVP over Patrick Mahomes right now. And the Trey Turner signing, the best way I can describe it is I love the player. I do not love the contract. Your reaction and the latest on Taiwan Walker. 215-592-9494. We'll come back. Your calls. And I want you to hear what Darius Slay had to say. Slay's take on why Jalen Hurts should be the NFL MVP. Next on Sports Radio 94 WIP.